Hello, everyone. We're here with The Normal Christian Life with our first official episode. And today we're going to be talking about renewal in the church. A lot of things we're interested in talking about, a lot of the other themes and things like that really do fall under the umbrella uh, of this theme of renewal in the church. It's something that I know I'm super passionate about. Uh, Joe and Father Christopher is really passionate about. And I think we just tend to talk about it a lot. And it's not like we have everything figured out. But on the other hand, I do think we have at least a sense of <laughs> what's not working and, you know, what in circum in certain testimonies and stories of, of things that have worked. And I think we've just heard beautiful things that have happened. And from our experience, we've seen things that have not worked locally or even in ourselves, just ways that we've not really seen fruit. Most people, if not virtually everyone, uh, is willing to admit the dramatic situation that the church finds itself in, the situation of decline, a decline in religious belief, a decline in church attendance, mass attendance, uh, baptisms, marriages, all the sacraments. Uh, Nobody is like a stranger to that reality of like what the church is experiencing, not just the Catholic church, but the Christianity in, at least in the West, uh, there's been a pretty consistent and sharp decline. And so I mean, the idea of talking about the need for renewal and talking about uh, maybe possible ways to like, what can we do to like kind of rekindle faith or uh, rekindle devotion, participation, uh, ways of reaching people. That's not like a rare thing to want to talk about renewal and even to, to make suggestions. I think uh, what our heart is for is for, I guess, for authentic renewal and to see renewal that both respects like what the church has always believed and taught and also uh, is going to produce like real a genuine faith, genuine love for the Lord. It, it, it bears fruit. So it, it's rooted in God. It's rooted in the Holy Spirit. We're not interested in human programs or just kind of like human campaigns efforts to um, just maybe to spark some like temporary interest in something or like what we might for like a certain event or something like that. So it's not really about any particular program. It's kind of about getting back to the absolute basics about like committing uh, your life to the Lordship of Jesus. And what does that look like? What does that mean in your personal life? What does it mean to be open to the Holy Spirit? Because we know that it's only going to be an authentic faith in relationship with Jesus, that we're going to be open to the Holy Spirit. And I mean, that sounds like extremely basic, but um, just to give yeah, people an idea of what we're talking about, we're not talking about, um, maybe we, we've all experienced some different programs or different uh, things like that, but we're not talking about um, like any kind of top-down effort like that. We're talking about like really authentic renewal from the beginning with the person. So there's something that you said, Father Chris, that I kind of want us to maybe, maybe we could start by kind of jumping into this topic a little deeper, possibly, where you're saying uh, human programs and human things. And I don't know, maybe not all listeners are used to hearing that way of speaking, but um, maybe we can kind of jump into that kind of question of like, okay, what, what makes something human in, in the, in the, 
like what do we mean by that first of all how do we define that but then also um how is that not what we want and um and and what we not what we have a heart for now obviously i think we can figure out that's not it's not rooted in god but is there more that we can say about that mm-hmm. yeah um well i think uh, fundamentally like when we talk about things like ministry or even how we pray, how we worship. If we're talking about something that's merely human, it's something that's it's something that wouldn't be any different if the Holy Spirit were not present. So we talk about like uh, human efforts, just to like like ways of trying to get people to give more money, or ways to get people reach out to people to come to church. Um, it's not bad to just, obviously there's going to be human things that we're doing to like reach out to people and things like that. I'm not talking about that. It's basically just like, um, we've tried tons of different things in the last 30, 40, 50 years to try to like make, I don't know, make the mass more relevant or make things more like entertaining or more fun or more catchy or more like, um, enticing in some way. And make it especially more relevant would be a, a key word I would want to emphasize. And I think that's emphasizing like the human quality of things that we do in church to try to like uh, bring people in. Father Michael? Yeah. I was going to say with even something like preaching, there's human words, right? But there can be homilies or just people giving talks, but homilies that are human words might be saying the things that are even technically correct versus so you, we could have something that's correct but not spirit-filled versus a spirit-filled homily if you analyze a transcript it might not be super apparent but one is ordinary human words but it's be inspired by the holy spirit and so there's extra power in it and so places are really thriving like is it christ the king in michigan is that the name of the parish yeah. Christ the King of Michigan, they have mass, they have parish events, but there's more inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so really, yeah, to get back to the basics, like the Lordship of Jesus, personal renewal. Another thing too is like, if we're if we're not bearing fruit, Jesus says like, if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. And the Spirit is obviously going to produce fruit. And so if we're not producing fruit, then it's basically what we're doing is not rooted in God to some extent. Right. And so I think, I, I don't know, I just want to say with that, like fruit, um, I mean, Jesus says, by your fruits, you will know them. So the fruits are what we look at. So just talking about, oh, that parish has the spirit because everybody's, you know, jumping up and down and clapping and, or like, you know, father's got, got a really good word today. You know, it's like, He's got the spirit. It's like, that's not exactly what we're, <laughs> that's not what we're talking about as far as renewal. Renewal has to have fruits. Um, and that's one of the things that we also, uh, maybe we can address in this podcast or certainly in future podcasts is, um, you know, we have to get over this idea, I think, um, in, in the church of, you know, kind of, uh, I guess really watering down the word of God to where it's like, well, we shouldn't expect to see 
much fruit because you know god you know god's ways are mysterious and is you know we should be we should be happy and willing and grateful to see just one person come to the faith through our uh. our efforts and and that's all that's all actually like i mean it's an immortal soul one immortal soul it's like there's so much value to that but that's not that can't be we gotta be very very aware of our motives in saying that because it can be um an excuse um and it can come from a place of unbelief i'm not saying that is and I think there's a lot of people who are well intentioned who say that, but again, I it, it can be something that we've all sort of um, imbibed as a as a Catholic culture to try to help make ourselves feel like oh well well um, I guess I'm doing enough like try to help us feel a bit complacent, um, and that's one of the themes and that, that goes on to another theme too that we're going to be addressing maybe here, but certainly in this podcast, is the need for us to be aware of how far we're falling short and how desperate we really need to be um, to actually turn from our own human, you know, foundations that we tend to operate from and to really turn to God in our need and to actually get to that place where like, okay, God, I'm expecting you to act because things are that bad. It's not about creating a crisis. It's about actually realizing that there is a crisis and God's got everything to solve it. We just need to turn to him. Yeah. We've uh, just accepted decline as like what somehow God's plan for the church or like we we've come to believe that modern people or people today are just fundamentally different from people who've lived for the last 2000 years. And the gospel itself is somehow no longer attracted to them, that the gospel itself isn't enough, that it's not appealing. And so we can just expect that there will just be continuing decline. And then if you have a a lens of like, this is just what it's going to be like to be in the church is just to live in this uh, decline and people falling away and all this, then you will see like at least one person, or at least we got one person to come that will in front in the within the lens of decline having a couple people show up is a success um it's like we we made a big shift toward a lot of it's been trying to appease people and trying to to make uh the church just like not just making the church um comprehensible or understandable to a modern person but like really trying to pander to people a lot and uh, I think it there's like a delay in how it how long it's taken us to see just how harmful that has been. Like that shift happened very much like in the 70s and 80s, and now we're like really reaping the fruits. Um, so it's it, it's not just as if like if you do something that has a a short term appeal to people, it you won't immediately see how it's how that's harmful. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, well, yeah, that'll make people, people think that's cool. People think that's exciting or like fun for a short period of time. And then you kind of run out of tricks when you have a bag of human tricks. It doesn't, it's like, we only have so many ideas. It's like, we gotta get back to like rooting it in God's ideas. God's word. Yeah. I think that, I think that people could wonder like where, where, okay. So where are you guys getting all this stuff that we should have totally different expectations um, and that, that could like, and that's something that I, you know, definitely take seriously. It's like, okay, what, who am I to, to lay out a whole different set of expectations than what we're seeing on a, on the broad scale? The thing is, well, first of all, there's God's word 
lays out completely different expectations that are different from our experience. Maybe we should pay attention to the fact that if our experience is not lining up with his word, then maybe something is awry with how we're living the normal Christian life. And then there's also the fact that, you know, um, we all, all three of us, you know, by God's grace, have witnessed and sometimes even been involved in some exceptionally fruitful moments of ministry or, or you know, and known people who have extraordinarily fruitful ministries. And it's, it's I mean, it's happened enough, certainly in my life, and I, I think in, in both of the Father's lives for sure, to where you can't just say, oh, well, that's just a few special holy people like there have been throughout history. It's like, no, there's like people who are really hungering and really desire to see more fruit and are like, okay, God, give me your heart. Show me your heart for what and your vision for what you want done in the church. Um, they'll see it. They'll, they'll, they'll be able to see some of that fruit. Um, and it's for his glory, for God's glory, not for theirs. But yeah, you're getting at like a really important, just fundamental distinction. Uh, that's, we, we have sort of two basic ways that we can look at reality. It's You can either look at the promises of God, look at what God's revealed, look at the Word of God, look at Scripture, look at the witness of the saints, look at the witness of holy people, look at even people who are ministering fruitfully now, like you said, and we can, we can look at that um, as that can be our lens, that can be with the lens like we, we can say like, okay, that's the norm. That's the standard. And so whenever I see a situation of, of decline or whenever I see like the gospels, you know, not being received or people aren't responding, I, I know that that's, that, that that's not the norm. Like I know that like uh, the, the situation of like what God has promised, that's the norm that I need to cling to and not, and the, the alternative would be to, take what we're experiencing right now by and large, which is decline and disappointment and maybe seeing like an absence of God, an absence of God working in people's lives. And to, it's very cynical, but to look at scripture and people do that, look at scripture and reinterpret what scripture tells us, reinterpret even the lives of the saints in a kind of cynical way that dismisses the supernatural, that dismisses God working in powerful ways. So that's a fundamental choice we'll have to make. Am I going to look at the disappointing reality that I'm faced with right now through the lens of God's promises? Or am I going to uh, reinterpret God's promises according to the lens of my disappointment? And there's two, Tim, there's two camps that's very, there's a lot of people in these camps of, one, people just be like, yeah, like, we're, you're, we're a good church, you know, there's like a lot of nice people and we have a couple people every year that come to RCA and don't really see that, you know, God wants everyone to be like a radical on fire believer. You know, how many, like, just the amount of percentage of even Catholics that go to Mass, let alone just people in a city, how many people are actually engaged in a life of faith. So, like, there is a serious need for renewal in the church. The other camp, there are people who acknowledge that there's something off. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who say, oh, just, you know, there's this problem like in the church or bishops are too much this way or the Pope is, needs to be more of this, less this. Can point to the problems, like really cynical about the culture. Oh, we just live in such a secular culture and just get really cynical. 
that's a, at least more honest about the problem, but it it's still lacking hope a lot of time, a lot of times. And so, yeah, acknowledging the issue, but then having real hope in God's promises. And yeah, uh, Bill Johnson, he's a um, non-denominational pastor of a, uh, Bethel Church, and he says uh, very often we have a tendency to make a, a theology based around our experience. Like, well, yeah, I don't see a lot of miracles. You know, I don't see angels working. Don't see many healings, any extraordinary things. So that was, then I conclude, well, this I'm going to interpret the Bible now or my everything else through that lens of my experience instead of saying, well, these are the promises of God. Uh, this is what happens when Jesus shares the gospel, when the apostles share the gospel and the Acts of the Apostles. And um, kind of using that as the standard. But yeah, we really do. Yeah, and, yeah, and the, the big thing there is like, like you said, Father Michael, is um, the sheer, like the desperate nature of our situation and that like how severe the problem is of decline in faith and like people leaving the church, it should make us open to a very dramatic solution. It's it should not make us just say, yeah, that's really bad. And so many people, and you know, I'll admit, just like going through seminary formation for most of my years in seminary formation, I would have seen it this way, and that's kind of what was basically taught to us is like, well, we just need to you know, like celebrate the mass reverently and just like, you know, teach, you know, what the church teaches and like, um, just be friendly to people. And it's basically, I'll summarize it all as just like fine tuning. You know, it's like, uh, if you're missing the mark, missing the target by 50 feet <laughs> and it's like, let's fine tune that, you know, it's, um, no, I get that. We just, just that's, um, if you're not, if you really do see the reality for what it is, and you're not just going to give up or throw in the towel, then what is the solution? It's to, it's it has to be openness to God doing something really new, uh, like really a big change, like the way we are living our faith, the way we're teaching it, the way we're preaching the gospel needs to be like very different. Um, there's not going to be very different results if we don't have a very different approach. Yeah, I think so much of it is um, we're we're so focused on symptoms and putting band-aids on things and trying to infuse this broken system with a little bit of religion. Like, oh, let's make this uh, this, this thing we're doing at church. Let's, let's let's make let's put Jesus into it a little more. It's like, okay, why are we doing this thing at all? And, and then we're not criticizing or saying like, oh, the church. The traditions of the church need to be reformed. It's like no, like no. It's like there's just a lot of very silly, frankly, things that we kind of have just gotten used to doing in ways we've gotten used to doing things that just, you know, and you know, I'm painting broad strokes here, and but we'll we'll get into that, and you know, and I'm definitely open to being wrong on some of these things, but I think just some of the ways that we roll is like you know parishes and stuff. It's like. What is this doing to further the kingdom of God? What is this? What is this doing to raise expectations um, of people's faith? We're not just saying like, oh, if we could see a thousand healings in every parish in the country, everything's gonna be good. That's not what renewal is, but but that can be a part of it because it's about raising faith. Because faith is the gateway; it's the doorway to everything else that the Lord really wants to pour out on us. You know, and, you know, 
his intimacy, for instance, you know, it's like, and his gifts to share with each other as the church. Um, faith, faith is the is the foundation. And the problem is, is that we simply, I mean, we simply have a lot of unbelief, I think, right now. And I'm speaking as somebody who still has huge areas of unbelief in my own life. Um, I'm not setting myself up as, you know, perfect model, but like, unbelief is a real, real problem with all this. I mean, whenever we're just going from experience in, in, in the approach that we take to things, and like, especially when we're just looking to the secular world, for how we're going to solve problems within the church, man, like that just like Jesus is not teaching that we do that. I don't know where, where we get that idea as a church. I don't know. Yeah, I just Colonel Ratzinger <laughs> said, Colonel Ratzinger said that I just want to leave this one line that every crisis in the church is a crisis of faith. Every crisis yeah. in the church is a crisis of faith. Yeah, and I. Maybe we can keep, we can keep talking about faith because it's so important. But just to make things concrete, so it's not just too abstract of renewal in the church and human approach. It's like we have, you know, a parish retreat, and it's like, well, maybe we'll have the human solution. Sometimes is like, well, maybe we'll just try to make a couple more Facebook posts or have a little bit more flashy, you know, posters. Which posters aren't bad. Social media is not bad. Um, yeah, like, um, okay, Catholic schools, let's make our Catholic schools more Catholic. Well, we'll add a little prayer in here and there. Uh, these little things of, of tweaking. Or or, or like fun, our fundraising. Well, maybe we just need to tweak these things for our fundraiser. And, well, well maybe, you know, we could do this for the, the, use this idea for the fundraiser. Not trying to get rid of fundraisers, but just so often we're, as Father Christopher said, we're just tweaking things. So when we're talking about human solutions, these are the kind of things we're talking about. Or maybe, you know, here's how we can make the fish fry a little bit better. Or maybe we'll add one more book study to the the calendar. And yeah, I think that's a point where yeah, there's just so much more. But I don't necessarily want to leave the faith, uh, leave the topic of the unbelief and need and desperation. Like these are conditions that prepare us even personally for revival, let alone the church. Like if, if we have unbelief, if we're not needy and we're not desperate, we can be sure we will not experience renewal in the church. We will not be a church that is thriving. Yeah. Like we, we need those, we need those conditions so that we actually can really reach out to God. These, these infusions or these little, and these things we do to treat the symptoms a lot of them are good and do need to be done. I think it's worth saying. For instance, um, I hear some people, a lot of people say, like, reform of the liturgy is what's going to truly renew the church. Like, I've, I hear people say that. And here's the thing. It's like, yes, like, 100% for reform of the liturgy. But what do you, what do you mean by that? Is it we, we get all the externals right? Because that would be great. Like, that would be huge. That would give the Lord a lot of honor. Um, but I'm like, okay, if we don't actually fully understand what the full active participation that we heard about Vatican II, like, if, if we're not actually all getting that part of it, and our hearts are not in, fully engaged as lay people and as priests in that in that reform of the liturgy, then, I mean, externals are... 
our, our externals. You know, it's like, the, yes, the, the mass is the highest liturgy, but. Yeah, and I would, I would just say that, like, uh, you know, when it comes to even things, it's like, uh, I wish the priests in my parish, you know, followed the rubrics of the mass, or I wish they weren't doing things that the church doesn't allow, or I wish, uh, yeah, whatever, basically just like we're doing what better we're supposed music. to do. Better homilies. Yeah, better music. I mean, Amen. that's kind of like, when you think about it, that's just the bar. Like, that's just, that's a minimum of, like, what should be happening. Like, I, I don't know. It's like, if we think right. about, like, what, what does God want to do to turn around the very bad decline of just, yeah, doing things, like, how the following the rules is, that's, like, absolutely, let's do that. But that's not, like you said, that's not, is that really going to be what well, completely turns people around like people start suddenly start flooding to mass well yeah that's a to point too and i mean i absolutely loved kinder glenn seminary uh loved the formators so i don't think it was anything explicitly taught but just maybe just a kind of impression i got just even from my own i don't know lack of faith or just other seminarians or just the culture i don't know just somehow i walked away with this impression like well I'll just be a holy priest i'll be rooted in prayer have good homilies all this stuff and just things are going to turn around, but like we could have like a very beautiful vestments, beautiful like chalices and, you know, altar cloths and whatever, a beautiful church, beautiful music, which is very important, good homilies, which is important, but that's just not going to make people like the, the church isn't going to start visibly shining and sparkling where people are just going to come off the streets and just walk in maybe rarely you'll have a, people walk in every once in a while and just encounter God, but that's not going to be remotely enough. And so if we're evangelizing, inviting people to church, there should be something beautiful to invite them to. Beautiful music, good homily, all this, a good community, but that's not going to be evangelization. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, there are examples of that. Like there are parishes that have all those things and they're, they're it's, we should praise what they're doing and we should like, we should try to imitate as much as possible that they're doing things really well. If they're pursuing excellence and like music, if the preaching is really good, like, yes, 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 yes. I'm like all for all those things. Like, you know, we got more, more people coming to this, like, and they have more participation and they have better uh, attendance and they have, you know, people involved in different things, but it's not, it's, uh, I mean, it's not, I'm not trying to, we're not trying to be like Debbie Downers. It's, it's not like, well, still not good enough, <laughs> but it's just thinking about it just very realistically and humbly facing the reality of how many, even just how many Catholics have fallen away. And then let alone how many Christians and non-Christians there are like, what will, what will be enough to like really bring the gospel to everybody in a convincing way. It's not just going to be like, okay, we just, basically doing everything we're already doing, but like really well. Go ahead. Right. And so it's not, I said before, there are people who are just cynical. Oh, you know, the Catholic church is just, you know, is often this way or that way. Yeah. We're not just trying to be cynical. It's, we're trying to get to acknowledge this place of need and desperation. That way we can rely on God's power. St. Teresa Sue said for herself as an individual, the most important thing God ever did for her was to show her her smallness and her powerlessness. Why was it helpful for God to show her her powerlessness? 
because she wouldn't rely on herself and she could rely on God. I would suggest as a church, that could be one of the most helpful things God could show us now is show us our smallness and powerlessness. Why? So we can beat ourselves up and get cynical and kind of droop our heads. No, so we can rely on God and his power. And that's that's really what sparked our interest for this conversation is just this theme of how often we appear or we're operating as a powerless church when we really should be filled with power, not authoritative necessarily governance, but power of the Holy Spirit. I was reminded of uh, of the uh, story I read of Father Bob Bedard, I think is how his name said. Um, he was the founder of the Companions of the Cross in Canada. And uh, just uh, an amazing story of renewal uh, where he was, I mean, just a small part of it. He was assigned to this uh, parish. He wanted to be a pastor. He'd been a teacher. He'd already been, he'd already been involved in, I mean, he'd been doing charismatic type stuff for a while at this point. He'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit years before. Um, but he was at this church um, as a pastor, and there was just no engagement at this church. And after a while, he started to get really nervous. He was like, what's going on? Like, there is no engagement, um, which is, I think, not super rare experience for priests, or guests sometimes. Um and uh, his solution was to pray and pray and pray and kind of and kind of press in and ask God, "What's going on? What do I do?" And he just got the words, "Give, give me permission." So he would—that's all he did. Like he, it wasn't a matter of reforming the outside of, you know, the cup and the dish so much. It was just like, okay, I'm just gonna like basically it was just that focus on spiritual renewal, and for him. He literally would just weave those words into his homilies all the time. He would like, you know, he'd have them written out in the bulletin, you know, just on the bulletin. Um, and he would like kind of press that theme of like, guys, like give God permission to do what he wants to do. And um, there actually came a point where people would come in, parishioners would just walk into church during the day, just like super convicted of their sins and like wanting to go to confession. And that church eventually did under, like that was the beginning of a tremendous revival that was just, it was spirit driven. It was not man driven. It just, it just happened to the point where that parish had an insane amount of vocations and it was sending lay people from that parish would go to other parishes and start revival at those other parishes. And they're actually leaders and all sorts of parishes within that diocese. So that's just one story that I've heard about. And that was probably back, started back in like the nineties or eight, maybe the eighties or nineties when that started. But I think the fruits of that are still around today. So that's just a super awesome testimony. I've heard his story before a little bit of it and it's so powerful. I think it's good. Um, I don't know when exactly this is going to air, but we're recording it a couple days after, uh, All Saints Day, and this is just an important reminder of like the purpose of testimony. Like Joe's sharing this testimony about Father Bob, and like why do we have the testimony of the saints? Why does the church hold up the saints? And like, where do we read about the stories of their lives? I think too often we we just kind of put the saints on a pedestal, and obviously we are like we are holding them up, we're venerating them, but we put them up as like this 
kind of superheroes and people that we admire, people that we just like, wow, uh, that is so incredible. And the the problem is that we can after we do that, we then conclude, I can never do that. Like, oh well, too bad we don't have one of those people around. It's like the whole they're actually being held up to us not just for celebration, not for admiration, not for um, you know veneration, but also for imitation. Like there, it's not supposed to be the message. Isn't supposed to be, hey, look what he has and you don't have, or look what Saint Therese had and you don't have. It's supposed to be like, hey, this is what you have. You have the same Holy Spirit. You have the same call to holiness. You have the. the it's not Holy Spirit light for you. It's like the same Holy Spirit that anointed Jesus, the same Holy Spirit that anointed Saint Francis Xavier, uh, Mother Teresa, John Paul II. You pick your saint, like it's the same Holy Spirit. And so like even just like you get really practical. I like that Joe shared that story because it's like um, sometimes people just kind of smile and it's like, oh, that's kind of quaint. You know, St. John Vianney, he, he heard confessions for 14 hours a day. And he's like, oh, you, yeah, right. Like, I don't know. We just got to be open to like literally imitating some of the things that the saints did and not just like. You know, I'm not saying just to write out like a, a program just based on every single thing they did, but just like, yeah, it could look like that. Um, that was the question. Could that be something Saint radical. Ignatius, uh, yeah, and Saint Ignatius of Loyola. That was what he when he was having his conversion, and he read the lives of like Saint Francis and Saint Dominic. And I love the question he asked. He said, "What if I did that?" He's just like not even really. A Christian at the time, I'm not even committed to the Lord, and he just said like, "What if I did that?" And it's like it just filled him with like excitement of like, I could do that. Like, and that thing we should look at all the when we hear testimonies, when we hear stories about, oh, this person prayed for healing and this happened, or you know whatever. Uh, pick anybody, and you, that story should that should be what you walk away with is like, we should do that. Fundam- fundamentally, when we see these things saints do, and I don't think God's probably calling many people to live as radically as St. Francis of Assisi per se, but uh, many times we can see just things even today, like inspiring people do or things that saints do. I think people think, well, one, I, I'm not a saint. I'm not going to be a saint. I'm going to, you know, squeeze into purgatory. I can't do like, God can't use me in powerful ways. I'm just the kind of type of, I'll just kind of, be a good person, go to church, say my prayers, just go to heaven. Fundamentally, a lack of a lack of confidence in oneself is a lack of confidence in God. Like people, they, many people, I, this is me for probably most of my life, I really did think it was about me. Like I would always acknowledge, because I knew that the technical truth, like, well, yeah, it's the Holy Spirit, it's, <laughs> it's God's grace. I, I could sort of intellectually acknowledge that. But fundamentally... I really felt like it just came down to my own effort. And if your only thing you're if the only types of things that you that you're willing to even try are things that are possible for you to do by your own strength, then it is easy to think that it all depends on me. Like um, that's like we were talking about, uh, like practically speaking, like do we it, do I minister in a way? Do I like is the way that I pray? is the way that I walk into situations like 
I w- how would I know if, if God showed up or not? How would I know if God was at work in that situation if I've kind of arranged it in such a way that like, no, I've got like a sort of a fallback plan or it's like, well, I, I, I can always just sort of power my way through by my own human ability. Then you'll never get to, you might, it, it's safer that way. Like it's less risky, but you will never see God move in like a powerful way because it, I mean, anybody could attribute it to, to your human giftedness. If I could just jump back to the, the point about the saints, um, that's a really good, I, I think we need to continue on that point. Father Chris is making, but um, just going back to the saints, cause I was actually reflecting on this today at mass, actually. Um, <laughs> I guess, I guess it was holy daydreaming or whatever, but uh, it was um, the fact that, you know, it's just thinking about how the saints, they were all, when they were living in the world, they all had a lot of enemies. And one of the reasons for that is that they, they were not acknowledged to be saints. And once, but once they die and once they're canonized and you slap the ST on the front of their name, suddenly there's <laughs> a wall. There, that, that's a big wall between you and them. And one of the biggest lies that we've come to believe as Catholics is that that's, that's a limit. There's something limiting about that for us in our minds. Oh, he's a saint. Well, I'm not going to be canonized as a saint. No way. It's like, that's not going to happen. Maybe, maybe not. But we are supposed to—the reason why they're sainted is to show us that we shouldn't have a limit to holiness. It should show us, like, hey, you can be as holy as you want. Look at this. This guy's canonized. He did all this crazy stuff, and he got canonized. It's like, you know, you can yeah. be Padre Pio. It's like—but you just need to say—you need to say yes, and you—you um, you, you know, I was actually—I had this—I I might have mentioned this last time we— record something but like I, mean, I was just driving home one time and i was thinking of the you know the thing that uh, i think some 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 priest i don't know if it's saint john vianney somebody said the thing of like if the priest is a saint the people will be holy if the people will be holy or if the priest is holy the people will be good you know and so on and i was like well you know if I were maybe to become a priest someday, you know, the most I could hope for is that the people will be good. And then I kind of quickly discerned, wait, that thought was not from the Lord. Because I'm putting limits on myself. I'm telling myself, this is how far you can expect to become holy. And that has nothing to do with being humble. That's not, that's not, this is not a matter of like, oh, being humble, being realistic. You know, it's like, no, we, that's what ambition is for. God gave us ambition for this purpose. Fundamentally, the saints were not people that just tried really hard. And I know, as I mentioned before, I I kind of believe that in my heart. It's really the good news of the gospel is that the gospel in our faith is not just another area we have to just strive and put pressure on ourselves and beat ourselves up to do good. Like we would at at work or in school where it's like, well, if I want to be a good student, I just have to bust my butt. And if I'm really disciplined and try hard, then I'll I'll get an A. In sports, you know, if I just bring it to practice every day, then I'll be the best athlete. Like, being a saint and being in the church, being a disciple of Jesus, it's not one of those types of things. That's the the good news of the gospel is that I don't have to fix myself, and I don't, uh, yeah, I don't have to fix myself. I don't have to do it alone. And then, I mean, there could be a whole discussion of, you know, grace and free will. It's not like I just sit on the couch and then just amazing things happen. But there's a real sense that 
I'm active, but then God is helping me. And so just to, just to focus on renewal in the church is not us just, Hey guys, let's just try harder, pick it up. It's like, no, we're acknowledging our need for God and even getting like excited, like father Wilfred Stinson, one of my favorite authors, he says, if you want to understand if you've, if you want to know if you've understood any of the, the, the gospel or the good news, he says, how do you react upon seeing your weakness? When you discover your own weakness and sin, do you instantly become discouraged? Um, or do you, do you become happy and excited that you have someone to that you need to reach out for help? And so that's just our fundamental habitual response. Mess up, failure. With me as an individual or the group I belong to, get discouraged. It's like, oh, perfect. I can acknowledge my powerlessness, and now the Holy Spirit can do his thing, make me a saint, and bring renewal to the church. And it's, it really is fundamentally an exciting thing. It's an exciting thing to see what the Holy Spirit's doing. I mean, even like, feel free to hop in here, but even with like Christ the King Church in, in Michigan, like they're, I think they have around like 90% mass attendance from their Catholics, which I think a lot of parishes would have maybe 20 or something like that. Maybe 40, but certainly really high. Tons of priests and sisters, really active congregation. Uh, even just like other lesser things, like it's not, I don't know a ton about the situation, but my, my friend, uh, now Father Paul Gardner, was a seminarian in Dickinson in North Dakota, a town of 10,000 people. There's four churches. During this like special Lent thing for, um, they had daily mass. I don't remember all this, the situations, but uh, Father Paul said they had, I think, 300 people once at a daily mass. And like many of them were young people. Like that's that's cool. That's exciting. And again, this is not just it's not just well, we're gonna copy and paste what they're doing, but we're gonna get behind what is like what is God yeah, we're just listening to God, what are you doing? Holy Spirit, what are you doing? Let's get behind that. I'm not just gonna just try to fix things in myself in like a brainstorming, like get in a meeting and brainstorm. We're gonna discern and listen. God, how can I bless what you're doing? And not just ask you to bless what I'm doing. I think it's, I think it's, yeah, yeah. I think it's just really simple, actually. Like, it is really simple um, because it's really just, it's like Father Bob. It's like giving God permission. How do we do that? Well, I think, I think as a church, and this is a whole topic in itself, but like, it begins with, you know, believing that we're loved by God. So countering that unbelief with the belief that we're loved by God and that he wants our good for us and for the church. And that's actually, that's the only hard part of it, I think, is like that belief part. It's like, if we can, if we can get to that part, then the renewal is going to start. But if we don't get that far, if we do all these other complicated things and programs and stuff, then we're going to be spinning our wheels. But this is not supposed to be a whole negative point, once again, to say that, because really, I mean, it's like God's the one who wants to do all the work. We just have to receive it. We have to say yes to it. And we have to, you know, first of all, believe it and believe in his love, because this is all about love and all about relationship and all about him bringing us back to him. Something that comes to mind that I think we should probably just have a, a whole other episode on, but is the the book From Christendom to Apostolic Mission 
that kind of just captures so much of what we're saying when we talk about the more human side of the church and, you know, even the good things, but like things like programs, uh, it's kind of like, broadly speaking, it's like institutionalized forms of, ins- of, of transmitting the faith and of like bringing the next generation bringing the next Christians into the faith. Um, the church, I mean, even literally like just, um, the church buildings, uh, Catholic schools, um, so much we have, we have, a massive institutional structure in the Catholic Church, and there's many parts of that where there's still a lot of good things happening. But part of the problem is that our our energy, so much of our energy and our resources, goes into maintaining institutions that are no longer serving the proclamation of the gospel. They're no longer actually transmitting authentic faith. It's just um, I mean, you can look around and just see, I mean, things like a uh, Catholic school where maybe even a minority of students are Catholic and a small minority, very small minority. It's very common in schools, even Catholic grade schools for, uh, at least in our area, it's not uncommon for there to be 20 or 30% of the of the students going to the Catholic school who actually attend mass on, on the weekends. So just to see like, this is kind of supposed to be our our flagship ministry. This is like a, a primary means that we're supposed to be raising up the next generation of disciples. And it's not even, it's not even uh, doing it in a way that people are even doing the bare minimum. So like when we see something like that, we should just say like, step back and say like, we need to completely reevaluate like uh, things that are, that worked for a long time, like a, a very long time, and so, with some of these institutions, like universities and things, some of them still are still working. But be willing to just say, like, yeah, if this if this uh, is absolutely not bearing fruit, and if it's and if we're pouring, you know, the hard earned resources of parishioners into it, it's time to reevalu- reevaluate that. I know that's like a top a high level decision. We're not here to like just tell all the bishops what to do or like I know that people in the pews can't make some of those calls but just to be open to it like it could actually look very different the apostles had zero institutional zero institutions zero universities zero seminaries no schools their church religion was zero church buildings uh like their religion was illegal they had like no state support um they had like very few members um, they had just completely everything against them. And so that it, it's good to, we need to look to situations more like what the apostles faced and what missionaries have faced. That should be the types of people that we're looking to for how to proclaim the gospel are people who are up against those kind of odds because uh, this, we're facing reality for what it is. We're more in that situation than we are in just a you know, thoroughly Christian country of you know, medieval Europe or something where 99% of people are practicing uh, the faith or whatever. Yeah, so we really need this change of mindset, this whole new way of thinking. Romans 12 says, be transformed by the renewal of your minds. And so just, again, changing our approach of how we view church, how we view evangelization, how we view our way of operating. So we all really need a renewal of the mind. Maybe just to sort of bring this to a close, what are, so 
Joe, you said, okay, we need to give God permission. We need to have faith. Is there anything else you would say for ourselves or just for anyone listening? Like someone's listening like, hey, I want to bring renewal to the church. I'm convinced. I mean, obviously this, a lot of this podcast is to help with that, but just, yeah, is there anything we would like that you see is really like fundamentally, I mean, there's endless things that would bring renewal, but like fundamentally, what are the, the core things that we need and anyone listening needs to help facilitate renewal? I mean, on the spot, that's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of a, it can be a difficult one to answer because it's, it's a, it's a different first step for everyone um, in a certain sense. I would say as far as recommending things generally, um, just learning to hear the Lord's voice and the first step in that, that whole process really is first um, being able to enter into silence. I think it's like the, like I honestly believe that is the first step because just the point where I was able to start doing that was a time of massive breakthrough for me. Um, and silence means more than just, you know, absence of noise. It's um, put yourself in a place where you're not going to be grasping all the time and thinking about all these things that are actually outside of your control. Basically, just put yourself in a place where you have to let go of control for a little bit. For somebody who is excited and who is serious about, okay, I want to I want to start this renewal of the church. Enter into the silence because that's where the Lord will renew you. Right. And when your spirit is renewed and when your heart is renewed, then you can begin. Then you can begin um, doing the Lord's work to renew these other things. But but all the way, it's the Lord doing it. He's the one who's renewing you. He's the one who's renewing the church. And you're just learning how to partner with that and how to hear him. That's huge because, I mean, on that point, it's, you know, just the, the primacy of your own personal renewal is huge. And you can even make a, you know, it, it's direct, it's, it's, it's an application of like, you know, Jordan Peterson, the Canadian psychologist, he says all the time, like, you know, if you want to basically, if, if you want to change the world, you want to fix the world, clean up your room. And it's kind of like a, a meme or a caricature or whatever of, of the issue. But it's so true though. It's like, um, whenever we're talking about renewal in this episode and we're having this conversation, like we're all fully aware that the primary problem, like in terms of, of my life and my ministry is me and like my unbelief and my need for conversion, my attachment to sin, um, my like not being full in for the gospel. So um, I guess that's a, that's just a really good, uh, not a caveat, but like a lens to put on this whole thing is like, it always starts with ourselves. It always starts with me yeah. like, because that's what I can control. Like I, yeah. I can't control what the bishops decide to do about this or that. I can't control mm-hmm. what Pope Francis says. I can't control whatever you pick it like right. a high level thing, but it is a bottom up renewal. We're talking yeah. about. So, I mean, yeah. even in the country, people are so obsessed with like what the, you know, biggest political leaders are doing and yeah, not focusing on oneself. So yeah, fundamentally like, we each need renewal. I mean, I've, have been seeking renewal with the Lord. I, you know, spend a lot of time in prayer, but this sense of a renewal of like just conviction, like I, I'm not perfect. I need the Lord to continue to purify me, make me more loving. I need to, to, yeah. In silence, I, 
like have a connection with the Lord, fall more in love with Him. Like it's people who are in love with God that are setting the world on fire, that are bringing renewal. So for us to fall in, yeah, we want we want renewal in the church to like fall in love with God, and fundamentally receive His love, which takes place in silence. You know, Mother Teresa says, I think she did. I don't know. You know, sometimes we don't know quotes are officially from saints, but. Yeah, the fruit of silence is prayer. The fruit of prayer is faith. The fruit of prayer is uh, fruit of faith is um, love. Fruit of love is service. But, but yeah, especially like the whole you have silence that allows there to be prayer, allows you to hear his voice, allows you to discern what's happening in myself that's from the enemy, what's happening from the Holy Spirit. So I'm I'm falling in love with God. I'm becoming more familiar of how the Holy Spirit is transforming me, how the Holy Spirit wants me to act. So. Yeah, fundamentally, renewal should be rooted in prayer and personal renewal because we are fundamentally receivers. We cannot give what we don't have. And so we can't uh, really give, yeah, give renewal if we've not received it ourselves. There's no shortage of people trying to change the world, trying to fix the world that are just very disordered, you know, in themselves. And they end up just projecting their own their their unhappiness and their uh, like dissatisfaction is caused from within, and then they just perpetuate that and project it onto the world. So we don't want to do that in the church. Yeah, absolutely. Well, unless there's any other final thoughts, I think we just close the prayer. Yeah. All right. Name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I just be with us right now, Holy Spirit, and anyone listening to this podcast, uh, that you would stir a greater desire for you, God, even if they already desire you, a greater desire for you, a greater desire for prayer, a greater desi- desire for personal renewal first, uh, that you would convict uh, any listener, that you would convict us here in this podcast, that you would just convict us uh, just of any any ways that we we do not love you with our whole heart, any impurity, any impurity in our heart, uh, ways that we just don't, yeah, ways that we don't love you fully. Uh, we ask that we would be more focused on listening, we'd be more focused on intimacy and falling in love with you. That we would, we would just be so filled with the love of God that evangelization wouldn't be this obligation of, well, I'm supposed to, you know, I'm supposed to share the faith, but. We would just be so filled with with your love and your joy and your presence that we would just be like, I have to share this. Like I, it's it's like it would be so hard for us to not share the faith instead of just trying to put this pressure on us, um, you know, guilt tripping ourselves to to share the faith. But like it would be hard for us to, to not share the faith. So serve for us a greater, uh, make us aware of our need and desperation for you. Uh, convict us of the ways that we've lacked faith, and please just give us a spirit, a spirit of prayer and contemplation to really seek you, seek your will, seek your voice in prayer. Amen. 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 Amen.